everyone. You're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. The Twilight series, this series of movies and books have caught the world by storm. I hate to confess this, I have to turn in my man card, but my daughters have drugged me, I mean, have taken me to all three, that's right, three of these movies. And to be frank with you, I've enjoyed them. They're really interesting because you've got Jacob and you've got Edward fighting over Bella. They're they're fighting for her love, they're pursuing her, they're wooing her, and it's all about love. We love love. A lot of us have fallen in love with falling in love. We've romanticized romance and it's in all the romance novels and the movies. We watch television shows. There's channels dedicated to romance, to just love stories. And I think it's great that we are a very romantic society. Have you ever thought about some of the movies that are out there? This is just my opinion. I've studied movies for a while. I've been married for 28 years, have three daughters, and I've attended my share of chick flicks. Chick flicks. Chick flicks are interesting because they're movies for women, for the most part. And if you'll notice in the whole movie game, more and more movies have a romance in them because the research reveals that when it comes down to who makes the decision over what movie to see, When you're with your girl, the girl always makes the movie decision. You can go ahead and clap, you know I'm right. In the balcony, I see you guys going, yeah, this guy's right. This man's preaching truth, yes, yes. So in chick flicks, the guys act like women. (laughs) Sensitive, vulnerable, in touch with their emotions. Their houses are usually decorated like you've never seen any houses decorated before. Many times they have a lot of money. They're ripped, chisel features. They cook the five-star meals. They just are into long walks on the beach and (laughs) cuddling by the fireplace. Again, in chick flicks, men act like women. It's fantasy. (laughs) Complete and total fantasy. Now go to a guy's movie. Guy's movies. How do the girls act? Girls act like guys. They're beautiful, incredible figures. They're aggressive. They're tough. They like sports. They'll fight and they're always pursuing the guy. They're aggressive. Fantasy. (laughs) It's not real. I would argue that our infatuation over romance, our romance over romance, our whole issue of falling in love with falling in love is a God thing. I would argue that God is a God of romance. I would submit to you that this book, 
The Holy Bible is the greatest romance novel ever written. And over the next several sessions, or if you're watching this by television or a podcast or, or iTunes or whatever, over the next several sessions or several shows or several installments, we're going to unpack what romance is all about. We're going to look at the reality of romance. But I'm here to tell you, all of this romance stuff is really good. But, but what if I said that the, the romance that we read about, that we see, that we watch, is really an illustration of God? What if I told you that the reason we have a desire to see this unfold is because it's a mirror of a greater desire to know and to respond to our romantic God? Hmm. Well, today I want to talk to you about one aspect of romance, and I want you to get this down and, and, and hold this and think about this and pray about this and consider this. I want to talk to you about the pursuit. The pursuit. Because whenever you discuss romance, you've got to talk about the pursuit. And that's one of these things in all of these romantic movies and novels and things that we watch that's always present, that's always in effect, pursuit. You've got the connection, this kind of chaos and the connection between the man and the woman. Then you've got the pursuit, and then the choice. At the end of, of the book or the show or the movies, right before the credits roll, you have what? The, the, the choice, they either respond or not, and then usually we have this feeling of, and they lived happily ever after. Wow, we're made for a happy ending. Again, I would say to you, God is a God of the pursuit. He is our pursuing lover. We're connected with him, we're made in his image. He pursues us. He's after us, he's wooing us, romancing us. You could say that we have a choice. We either respond to that or not. If we respond to it, we live happily ever after. If we don't, well, it's a tragedy. To understand romance, we have to understand some of the elements of romance in the Bible. We have to understand this thing called pursuit. I want to tell you a story about someone in the Bible, and this is a story that is tragic. It's a story that's true, but also a story that is tremendous. The ending is unbelievable. And when I talk to you about this, it's gonna, it's gonna shock some of you that God is even in the middle of it because it's pretty racy. So here it goes. There was a man who was God's spokesman to the nation of Israel. I mean, he was, he was the man, God's anointed and appointed, you might say. He was single, I'm sure, handsome. I'm sure he'd done pretty well. Well, God tells him, I'm talking about Hosea is his name. Say Hosea with me, Hosea. Now say Hosea. 
Hosea. God told Hosea to marry a hoe. I told you, it's going to mess you up. What? Hey, come back. You're telling me, back up. You're, you're telling me, God, my holy God, who wrote the holy book, told Hosea to marry a hoe? You got it. The Bible talks about Hosea and Gomer. It talks about Hosea and Gomer getting together. It talks about Gomer being a hoe. Gomer, we would say a high-priced call girl. Gomer, $20,000 a night. Gomer, we might say, a porn star in today's culture. That's what we would say. And you know she was hot. With a name like Gomer, I mean, you gotta be good looking. <laughs> God tells his man, his boy, to hook up to marry Gomer. Now notice something. This is a double drama I'm going to explain to you. I want you to, to be very aware of the fact this is a romance within a romance because it's on one level, you're talking about this love between a man and a woman. On another level, you're talking about something deeper because Hosea represents God. Gomer represents Israel. Hosea represents the Lord himself, Jehovah. Gomer, are you ready for this? Represents you and me. So they get married. She gives up the movies, gives up dancing, gives up being a high-priced call girl. No more trips to Vegas or Palm Beach or Milan. No, 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 no more trips. She's hooked up with God's man. Are you ready for this? Hosea. Well, she was already the baby mama to a couple of kids. Hosea adopts them. After a while, they have their own. Now, the names of these kids tell you and me a story. One of the names was Judgment. Hey, Judgment, how you doing, man? Wow. Another one was Not Loved. Hey, Not Loved, come here, give Daddy a hug. Another was named Not Mine. Basket by Not Mine. <laughs> then we have Hosea's name, meaning salvation. So you see, just through the names, something crazy is about to happen already. It's, it's, it's kind of wild. God's man marrying this high-priced call girl. So everything's going good for a while, but Gomer gets bored. She's like, man, what am I doing with this guy? Going to church, being a pastor's wife. I'm tired of it. So she slips out of the marriage bed and begins to do her thing. Hosea, I'm sure, saw some of the texts. <laughs> Heard the rumors with her sleeping with these A-listers, the rich and famous. It tore him apart. It devastated him. Then one day, it became a reality. Gomer bolted. We've all gone Gomer. I mean, we've all 
committed spiritual adultery. We've all chased after other lovers. If you don't think you have, you're lying to yourself. We all have. Sin is sin. Rebellion is rebellion. When we run away from God, when we cruise away from him, we end up crashing right into him. That's what Gomer did. She just said, you know, I'm out of here. Put yourself in, in Hosea's situation. Here he comes home. He's bombarded by all these questions. He's trying to help the kids with the homework. He finally puts them to bed, walks into his room. He can still smell the scent of her perfume. His love is gone. The girl that God called him to marry is sleeping in other beds. Picture her cruising through Israel in a black bitly. Picture her decked out in the latest fashions. Picture her in all of the hot spots. That's, that's Gomer. Man, look at that girl. She's hot. Man, she's got it going on. Going to all the parties with all the people. Wow. Gomer. When we cruise away from God, we crash right into him. God loves us enough to pursue us. Hosea still pursued Gomer. Are you ready for that? When we run away from God, God still pursues us. Several years ago, my family and I were hiking and it was during the summer. And you know, when you're hiking, sometimes briars can camouflage themselves, you know, in plants and trees and things. So I was leading the way, which is scary because I'm directionally challenged. And as I was leading the way, I felt some briars and I had jeans on. I'm like, wow. And it kind of ripped, ripped my, my jeans and oh, stuck me. I was bleeding a little bit. I'm like, whoa. And then I look back. I go, hey, hey. Wait a second, let's go to the left, boom, there are briars. Let's go to the right, boom, there are briars. My son, his shirt is so entangled in the briars, he had to strip just to untangle his shirt and then put it back on so we backed out. You know what this romance novel tells me? That when I run from God, God barricades me and he barricades you with briars. He warns us. We'll prove it. God? Well, he did. In the Holy Bible, in this text, in this story to you and me, Hosea chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, therefore, I will block her path with thorn bushes. I'll wall her in so she can't find her way. She'll chase after other lovers but not catch them. She'll look for them but not find them. What does sin do? What does rebellion do? It rips us. And Sometimes in our lives, we, we begin to run from God and we, and we feel the scratch of sin. You know, we, we begin to bleed a little bit from rebellion. We go, wow, I can't go to the left, can't go to the right. I'll just, I'll just back out of here and go God's way. Sometimes we do that. Other times, we go totally gomer and we say, I don't give a flying flip about the briars. I'm going to crash right through them. And we run through the briars, and as we're running through the briars, we get all chopped up, it, it, it rips us, and we go over the ledge. 
God has barricaded you and me with briars because he loves us. And what's so ironic is, in our independence, we think that we're going to get freedom. In our independence, away from God, doing our own thing as Gomer wanted to do, we think we're going to really find it. But in our independence, away from God, we end up being dependent on our desires. Oh, I'm going to do what I want to do sexually. Hey man, you go from bed to bed and the thrills and the chills of it, but after a while, your desires rule you. Well, I'm going to do what I want to do financially. I'm going to do what I want to do relationally. And after a while, that pride, that ego, that lust rules your world. It rules my world. We become, as Jesus said in John chapter 8, a slave to sin. A slave to sin. I talked to a friend of mine just a couple of weeks ago. And he told me, he said, Ed, I've been high every day from the time I was 14 until I was 32. Every single day, I said. He said, every single day. He said, smoking weed ruled my world. He said, looking back, I'm like, how much time did I waste? How many things did I miss? How many opportunities did, again, in his independence, he thought he was the man. He ended up being dependent on the substance and it ruled his life. That's what happened to Gomer. You cruise away from God, you'll crash right into him. Sin does what? Sin rips. Sin is unusual because it takes you farther than you want to go. It keeps you longer than you want to stay. And it will cost you more than you want to pay. Some of the time? No, ultimately, all of the time. Yes, yeah, sin rips us. But check it out, sin strips. Remember my son EJ? Had to strip. You know what Gomer did? Yeah, when she was all that, she was stripping in the gentlemen's clubs. God, though, stripped away everything in her life. It's interesting, she would strip for other men. God ended up stripping her of all of her stuff. God loves you and me enough that when we run away from him, he ruthlessly removes resources. He just removes them. And if you keep reading in the book of Hosea, Hosea chapter two, verses two and three, let her remove the adulterous look from her face and the unfaithfulness from between her breasts. Otherwise I will strip her naked and make her as bare as on the day she was born. And check out verses nine through 13. I will take away my grain. I'll take back my wool. I will expose her lewdness. I will stop her celebrations. I will ruin her vines. I will punish her. It goes on and on and on. God, being a God of love, does not want us to waste our worship. He doesn't want us to waste our 
time, our energy. He's the pursuing lover, just like Hosea was. He barricades us with briars. He ruthlessly removes resources. What does sin do? It rips, it strips. So let's press the fast forward. Let's, let's maybe press the fast forward, I don't know, five or 10 years in Gomer's life. She begins to get some miles on her. Her, her, her belly had all the, the, the stretch marks and with, with having kids and, and, and the wrinkles and, 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 and their hair is turning all gray and, and, and she just didn't have the look anymore. She had to downsize from a Bentley to a Bonneville, from a Bonneville, no disrespect to a Bonneville, but from a Bonneville to a bomb. And, and now all of a sudden she doesn't have a car to drive. No Maserati chariots. Nothing. No man will even touch her anymore. She's ugly. She doesn't look that good anymore. Beauty is fleeting. It really is. Just ask Gomer. So what's she going to do now? You know what she does? You know what this girl does? She goes, I'm just going to sell myself as a slave. I'm going to sell myself as a slave. Right before she does that, though, something, something just, just totally loving happens. Love is not just a noun, it's a verb. Love always pursues. God says, Hosea, I want you to bless Gomer. Hosea's probably like, what? I'm not gonna bless her. I mean, she's been messing around and now there might be one or two guys that'll mess with her, that's it. Bless her, God says. So, Hosea knew the street corners, he knew the red light district, he knew where she hung out. He looked and saw this crack house on the corner. He said, oh, there she is. Can't you feel the, the conflict? I mean, on one hand, he loves his wife. On the other hand, he just hates what she's doing and hates her, her lovers, especially these you know, few guys that are still just barely messing with her. So he calls one of them over. Hey, man, come here, come here. And Hosea begrudgingly gives this guy some money and some stuff and some food. He says, give this to my wife. This guy goes, you mean that old whore that no one will touch? Yeah, that's my wife, Gomer. So this guy walks over, gives the stuff to Gomer, and this dude takes credit for it. How many times have we been blessed? Have we had opportunities? And we thank everybody and everything else except God. We forget the source. We forget that God, like Hosea, is watching us and God is the one who gave us the creativity, the athletic ability, the mind, the heart, the drive to do what we're doing right now. And we're thanking everybody and everything else but God. Well, finally, again, it's just not working for this girl. Gomer's washed up, used up, has a bunch of miles on her. Read about the ancient auctions. They would strip you naked. <gasps> sin rips and sin strips. 
Here, this woman, this old woman now, who'd been mauled and abused and used by all these men, standing there, naked, the auctioneer, trying to auction her off, not for sex anymore, just as a slave. So people are bidding. But Hosea left home and said, guys, he's talking to his kids, I'm going to buy your mama back. Hosea shows up at the auction. People are bidding. And the bid is up to like 12 pieces of silver. That was it. I mean, an average slave would go for 30 pieces of silver. Jesus was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. You mean Gomer could only get that amount? The gavel was about to fall and then Hosea in the back said, oh, 15 pieces of silver. And the auctioneer goes, sold. Comes down, they lock eyes. What was going on when they were locking eyes? I'll tell you what was going on. Forgiveness, pursuit, love, grace, mercy. That's what was going on. When you've committed spiritual adultery, when I've committed spiritual adultery, we're standing on the auction block, pride, ego, all the resources have ripped us and stripped us. You think the hammer's getting ready to fall? You think God is gonna, gonna throw down some fire and brimstone? God grips us with grace, with his unconditional love. He's a pursuing lover. He sought us and bought us. Here's something about sin. Sin, ultimately, leads to some bad stuff. It starts out great. Gomer, woo, black Bentley, all of the rich and famous, going from place to place, making all the cash money, the jewelry, the watches, the bling. Starts off good. That's why sin is fun. I'm not lying to you, it's fun. Don't think it's not fun, it's fun. That's why we wanna do it. But it gets funky. It'll fail you every time. Let's skip over here to Hosea chapter two, verses 14 and 15. Now, now, now this blew me away. It says, therefore I'm now going to allure her. That's romance, guys. I will lead her into the desert. That's romance, ladies, into the desert. <laughs> and speak tenderly to her. Wow. I will give her back her vineyards. Okay. And make the valley of Achor a door of hope. What? Valley of Achor? I've read that before. What does that mean? I'm thinking, okay, I just... Valley of Acor, well, you know. Well, very important to understand this. Those here who read Scripture and who are Bible students, the first time something is mentioned in Scripture, it's key because the other times it's mentioned, 
it always refers back to the first time it's mentioned, the Valley of Achor. Say Achor with me. Achor. Achor means trouble. That's what it means. Joshua chapter 7. The Israelites had just won one battle. They were fighting the little hick town of Ai. No problem. Little Ai. They can't bring anything. Well, Ai humiliates the Israelites. Commander Joshua's like, what? what happened? We can't let these little guys, these little punks beat us up. He discovers somebody, an Israelite, has stolen some stuff. You know, the stuff, you know, supposed to be God's stuff, but someone has stolen some stuff and they've hidden it in a tent. They found out it was a dude named Achan. The word Achan means troubler. They took Achan out to this area and they stoned him, killed him, buried him under a pile of rocks. They named the place, the Valley of Achor. The word Achor, trouble. The Valley of Trouble. Now, turn the pages to the book of Hosea. What does sin do? Sin always ushers in trouble. Trouble. It has a tremendous temptation, a tremendous allurement, yet it ends up trouble. So here we have our girl Gomer in trouble on the auction block. And God is saying, I am going to open a door of hope in the land of trouble. That's what God's doing right now in your life. You're, you're, you're in trouble right now. You're in trouble. You know it down deep, you're in trouble. But this romance novel tells me and tells you God right now is opening a door for you in the valley of Achor, in the valley of trouble. God's a gentleman. He doesn't kick the door in. He doesn't force himself on you. He opens the door. He, 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 he's the pursuing lover. He invites you in. Have you walked through the door? Hey, Gomers, have you walked through the door? Hey, those here have committed spiritual adultery. Those who have chased after other lovers, have you walked through the door? Well, then we go to Hosea chapter three, verse one. And as you read this text, it says, the Lord said to me, go show your love to your wife again. God is the God of the mulligan. The God of a second chance, the God of grace, the God who romances you and me, the God who has sought us and bought us, the God who is wooing us and romancing us. Go show your love to your wife again, though she's loved by another and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. Remember, Hosea is God, Gomer, the Israelites. Hosea is, is the Lord, Gomer is you and me. The characters in Scripture, God and you and me. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. Watch this. 
Watch this right here. Though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. It's another weird phrase. Raisin cakes? Valley of Acor, raisin cakes. Do some research on Baal worship. The Israelites were chasing after other gods, lowercase g. And raisin cakes were connected to Baal worship. Raisin cakes don't satisfy. Raisin cakes are full of empty calories. Raisin cakes don't really give you the sustenance needed to live. Anybody here going after raisin cakes? Anybody at one of our campuses going after raisin cakes? Anybody who will watch this by television going after raisin cakes? Are you going after raisin cakes? Oh, raisin cakes, that's, that's it. Oh man, that's fun. I'll do that for a while. Raisin cakes, I'm still empty. I'll, I'll, I'll get high every day. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just try it maybe for a month. Raisin cakes. Well, I will slip out of the marital bed and pursue this and pursue that. Raisin cakes. Well, I will, I will try this and try that. Raisin cakes. It never satisfies. It always leaves you and me wanting more and more and more and more. Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. Don't be eating raisin cakes. Feed on the bread of life. Gomer was a raisin cake girl. Gomer, standing on the auction blocks. What a romantic story. Hosea pursues her, brings her back into the family. And it's really just a tremendous story of love. You know what, we're, we're on the auction block. You ever thought about that? You're on the auction block and so am I. And the world is bidding for us. Power and possessions and pleasure and this buzz and that high, bidding for us, bidding for us. Hey, raisin cakes, yeah, hey, some more. Here, here's some more. But right before the gavel falls, a nail-pierced hand is raised in the back and the auctioneer looks, and it's the hand of Jesus. And Jesus said, I bid my blood, my precious blood, for that one. And he locks eyes with you, and he locks eyes with me. And then the gavel falls, sold, paid in full. And Jesus makes his way through the crowd and the clamor. He clothes us in his righteousness. He covers our nakedness. He knows about sin and how it rips and strips, but he grips us with his grace. He adopts us into his family. He hooks us in to the body of Christ. That, my friend, <laughs> is romance. That is pursuit. You want romance? I do. It starts with God. And then it segues into our dating relationships, students and singles, into our marriages, into everything that we're about. I thank God. I thank Him for His amazing grace 
that grips us with unconditional, one-of-a-kind love. Aren't you? Aren't you? Man, I am too. That's some great news, isn't it? That's some awesome news. Because we can all identify. We can all identify with Gomer. At this time, we're going to, to do something. I want to pray a prayer for some people here. The balcony, down front, in the back, also those who are watching in our different environments. I want to pray a prayer for some of you who need to walk through the door of hope in the valley of trouble because Jesus took your trouble and my trouble on the cross 2,000 years ago and rose again. And you can make the most significant decision of your life right now. You can respond to our romantic God right now by saying yes to him. Would you pray with me? God, I believe many people here need to say what I said years ago when I became a follower of you. It's a choice that I made. I thank you, God, for the fact that you don't force yourself on us. You don't kick the door in. You don't drag us through the door. We either walk through it or not. But I believe right now many here need to walk through the door. But Dad, you're saying, you don't know what I'm into, man. I mean, are you talking about your friend getting high? Are you talking about gum? Hey, you know what? We've all messed up. At Fellowship Church, we have one rule, no perfect people allowed. We've all sinned. We've all chased after other lovers. We've all gone Gomer. But God is pursuing us and loving us. And right now, right where you are in the midst of trouble, he's opening a door. Here's what you have to do. You gotta say, God, I've messed up. God, I've sinned. And you're not surprising God by saying that. He knows that. Just say, God, I've messed up. I've gone my own way. And looking back, I, I, I see, man, those briars and how you've removed those resources and how you've blessed me even in my running. And I want to receive what you did for me, Jesus, on the cross. So right now, I turn for my sin. Just pray that I turn for my sin and I turn to you, Jesus. I ask you, Jesus Christ, to infiltrate my life. I'm tossing out the raisin cakes, all the stuff, and I'm just going for it, Lord. Don't hesitate, just go for it. Man, you've tried everything else. Just go for it, man. Go for it. Jesus, come into my life, say it. Thank you for listening, and thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional. We also encourage you to share the message today with those around you. Thank you again for listening. God bless.